Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I want to ask you tonight and I want to talk on the topic of what do you do with your mess? You know, I'm really good at going on with life and, you know, thinking, enjoying it, thinking everything's going beautifully until I realise that it's not. And until I realise that actually there's a bit of mess going on. And I'm learning to pick up the warning signs. I'm learning that my body and my emotions, you know, they, they, I've got warning signs that they flag to me that there's something going on. Um, and I'm learning to just start to kind of take notice of those warning signs and adjust myself. My warning signs may, may like mainly come in the, the form of my behaviour. So some warning signs may be that I get agitated or get frustrated or I get angry for no reason. Some may be that I get frustrated, oh, I just said that, feeling anxious or overwhelmed. Some may be that I start to feel insecure and I start comparing myself to other people or just feeling unsettled and sad. Sometimes I'm good at seeing those warning signs and um, responding to them, but other times I miss them completely and other times I actually just ignore them. You know, in my car, my driving, like my driving wheel's like up here and my petrol light that tells me when I'm running out of petrol is like hidden behind my driving wheel. And so and my, my thing is my seat's quite low on, to the ground. Well, not low, but it's quite low because it's got to fit Ross in there as well. And I don't, I haven't worked out how to move it up and down. But so I'm driving along thinking that all is okay and thinking that all is good. And then I adjust myself in my seat and I look over my steering wheel and I see that my warning light's going and I've got no petrol. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how long has that been there for? And sometimes I, sometimes I like go, I'm like, right, let's go get petrol straight away. Other times I'm like, oh, she'll be right. And I kind of drive a little bit longer. And how many times have we needed to be rescued by Ross on the side of the road because I ran out of petrol too many times. But ignorance can be bliss, but it also can lead us down some dangerous paths. If we ignore those warning signs that flag a bit of mess going on, a little something that we got to deal with, while we might seem fine and we might, be, we might feel and look okay for a while, eventually the mess will manifest it will come out. You know, sometimes our mess starts to seep out slowly over time. It, it starts to poison our self-worth, our character. It starts to um, uh, hurt our relationships with God and hurt our relationship with other people. Emotional mess can also impact our physical. Our, um, you know, we, we can get migraines, we can get gut health problems, other illnesses. Other times when we ignore our mess, it seems fine until it explodes over some poor unsuspecting person. Usually my kids are the ones that cop it when I've left my mess to fester. However it manifests, however it shows itself, our mess undealt with gets messier. So I want to ask you tonight, what do you do when you realise that you've got mess going on in your heart, in your mind, in your life? And I want to just tell you a couple of things, a couple of unhelpful ways that I've responded to when I've realised that I've got some mess going on. So one of the ways that I've responded is I've flaunted it. I've paraded it around like a trophy. Another way that I've responded when I've realised I've got mess is I've been incredibly overwhelmed by it. And I, all I can see around me is my mess. And I just sit down and I'm crippled by the mess. 
Other times I've tried to keep super busy so I don't have time to see my mess, let alone deal with my mess, trying to ignore it and hope it goes away. But like Peter, Peter Scazzaro says, you can't live a warped speed without warping your soul. If we're too busy to tend to the stuff that's messing up our soul, our soul suffers. But most commonly, my un, the, the most common unhelpful uh, coping mechanism that I have to mess in my life is to try and hide it. Try to pretend like I'm going well. Everyone else thinks I'm going all right when I'm actually not. You know, being a mum is an adventure. <laughs> well, oh yeah, Ross is like, oh yeah, you're a dad. <laughs> being a parent is an adventure. <laughs> The amount of times I've found rubbish in our house that hasn't quite made it to the rubbish bin is unreal. Like rubbish that has been strategically placed or hidden out of sight so that we can't see it. You know, the apple, when the kids get an apple um, and they get this sticker off the apple and they place it underneath the fruit bowl so you can't see it until you're cleaning the whole fruit bowl. Or, you know, the, the, the mess that's kind of strategically shoved underneath the car seat in front of you so that they, you can't see it. One of our children, I'm not, is it resonating? Yeah. One of our children, I'm not going to say who it is, um, but when they'd get out cover, cover, Lucy cover, she knows who it is. When they get out of there, they, wear, they wore a night nappy. I've got to be very careful here. They'd wear a night nappy. And when they'd get out of their night nappy, the night nappy didn't always make it to the bin. And so throughout the day or throughout the week, you'd find night nappies hidden behind a door or hidden behind the heater or tucked behind the little gap in between the, in between the, the, the door and the sink, the laundry sink. One time, recent, no, I shouldn't say, oh, flip. <laughs> Cover. <laughs> Don't. This does not lead this room. <laughs> One time, there was a wee smell coming from our toilet and it was intense and we could not work out why. We cleaned the toilet, mopped the floor, could not work it out. The smell was getting worse. And then eventually we found a night nappy tucked behind the toilet in the S-Bend that had been sitting for, there for a while. As soon as we saw it, we put it in the bin, the smell went. But <laughs> it was intense. I rarely have a motivation to clean my house. Well, I'm getting better at it. I need to get better at it after that story. But I do, don't love cleaning and I rarely have the motivation to clean my house. And when I do clean my house, it doesn't, the motivation doesn't last long. And so I have to prioritise the main pits that, bits, not pits, the main bits that people see. And so when my motivation doesn't last very long, I'll do the main areas, you know, the bits that people come in and see. And then when my motivation runs out, Every, all the rest of the mess kind of gets tucked into my bedroom and close the door and people don't see that. But I kind of think that that's kind of what we do in life, yeah? We often clean up the bits that we know people can see, but we neglect the mess that we think no one sees. And rather than clean it up, we cover up. We paint over it. We put a filter on it. We bury it deep down so that, we, so that people can't see it. We overcompensate trying to draw people's attention to the pretty stuff in our life, the functioning stuff in our life, hoping that they won't see the ugly stuff, the dysfunctional stuff in our lives. But the problem is we can only hide it for, t for so long. You know, soon, even copious amounts of Glen 20 
You know, even Perez's salted caramel candles, as amazing as they are, they don't do it justice. And soon the smell is gonna start to come out. You won't be able to hide the stink that starts coming from the hidden rubbish in our lives. After a while, we can't hide it. We all have mess. And sometimes our mess is our fault, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it comes as a result of things that happen to us, but, it's, it's our, it, but it is always our responsibility to deal with it. You know, the Bible is not full of polished people who've got their life all together. It's full of people who are messed up and in messy situations because God wants us to know that we can trust Him with our mess. Have a drink if you'd like. You know, we all see, we see all throughout the Bible that God responds, how God responds to people with mess. We see in John 8, through the woman caught in adultery, that when everyone else publicly shamed her and condemns her and judges her, that Jesus actually got down on her level and related with her and covered her, loved her, accepted her and forgave her. We see through the widow at Zarephath, Um, in 1 Kings chapter 17, that in the middle of her mess, when she had no food to feed herself or her child, she was about to make her last meal and then go and die. That when she surrendered her mess, she surrendered what she had to God. God was able to use her surrendered mess to save her and then set a platform for Him to do miracles in her life from then on. We see through the parable of the prodigal son told in Luke 15 that when we do our own thing and run away from God and make bad decisions and end up in a world of mess, that, when we, can we, that we can run back to God and He doesn't condemn us and say, well, I told you so and reject us. Actually, arms wide open, He accepts us, He loves us, He responds to us with joy and grace. That is the God that we serve. And how God responds to these people in the Bible is how He responds to us in our mess. And one of the people that I go to, one of my go-to people in the Bible when I have stuffed up, messed up, feeling like I'm failing is King David, not King David, King David. His story is found in the Old Testament long before Jesus was born in 1st and 2nd Samuel. And we read the hymns, um, the, the, the songs that he writes to God in the Psalms, in the book of Psalms. I love David. He knew God. He knew God intimately. Since he was a young boy, he, would, um, he walked closely with him. He spent day after day and night after night out in the fields alone with God, tending to his sheep. He'd watched God do miraculous things in his life. You know, he, he, God had helped him um, kill a bear with his bare hands, kill a lion. God had helped him kill Goliath, the giant. Many times God had intervened when he'd been in life-threatening situations. God's hand was there and rescued him. He loved God and the Bible says that he was God's anointed king over Israel. He was rich, he was famous, he was powerful. He was a mature and anointed follower of God. And so when he leads himself into a pretty big mess, he can't play ignorant. He can't say, oh, oops, I didn't know. He knew God. He knew his commandments. He knew that God had said, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't murder. Yet he goes ahead and he sleeps. He covets another man's wife. He sleeps with her. And then she gets pregnant, Bathsheba, she gets pregnant. And so he gets caught up trying to cover up his mess. He sends her husband out into the um, most dangerous part of the battlefield so that he would get killed. So that then he could then step in and marry his wife, marry Bathsheba 
and pretend like nothing had ever happened. But then enter prophet Nathan, the prophet, Nathan, who confronts him about what he's done. At which King David realises that his sin can't be hidden anymore. He realises that hiding his dirty nappies isn't working anymore. And he cries out to God in what is called his repentance psalm in Psalm 51, which we'll have a look at in a minute. But can I share a few thoughts from David's stuff-ups that encourages me when I suffer? Is that, can I share them with you? The first thing is, is that mess doesn't discriminate. We all have rubbish in our lives. We all have mess we have to navigate. There is no one in this room that lives in a house without rubbish. We don't go into other people's houses and go, oh, they've got rubbish. What is going on with them? We don't do that because we've all got mess. We've all got rubbish. It doesn't matter if you're rich, famous, or if you're homeless. It doesn't matter if you're 75 or if you're 17. It doesn't matter if you've known Jesus and followed Jesus for 40 years or if you've never heard of Him. We've all got rubbish. Romans 3.10 says no one is righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Stuffing up and navigating mess is something that we all have to do. And our mess doesn't separate us from God, but pretending that we have no mess does. I love David. His story reminds me that no matter how long I walk with Jesus, no matter what I do for Him, no matter how anointed I am, I'm gonna have mess and that's okay. The question is, what are you gonna do with it? What am I gonna do with my mess? Because real Christianity isn't a life without mess. Real Christianity is when we admit we have mess, we're humble enough to let Jesus be glorified through our mess, not just a one-off, but continuously, constantly. My next thought is, don't let your mess distract you from your purpose. This is a little bit of a seatbelt one. When David had an affair with Bathsheba, she fell pregnant and he straight away tried to cover up his mess, cover his tracks by getting her husband killed. Because the rule was in those times, if her husband died, then she was free to marry another man. And so at, what, at that point, he thought, right, I can swoop in as the man, man in or the knight in shining armour, rescue her, marry her, look after her. No one will ever know. What's that? No one will ever know. Is that TikTok? No one will ever know. Don't do TikTok. But what is that? <laughs> They'll never know. No one will ever, sorry, I can't do it. Don't do TikTok. Uh, Where am I? His purpose was to rule the kingdom. His purpose was to be the anointed king, but he got distracted trying to cover up his mess so no one would see it. I wanna encourage you that you've been called and made for a holy calling. And your calling is unique. Every one of us has a unique and different calling, but... We are all united in one purpose. And that purpose is to love God and connect other people with Him so that they can be saved from an eternity without Him. Mark 16 verse 15 says, Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Tell them about Jesus. How do we do that? How do we bring Jesus to the world? Or how do we bring the world to Jesus? Isaiah 58 says, um, it tells us pretty well how God wants us to do it in verse six to seven. It says, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. 
God wants us to be a blessing to the people around us, be generous and meet their needs. Show them God's love. But Matthew 9 verse 37 says this, Jesus says to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. People are searching, people are desperate for Jesus, but the workers are few. And I was thinking about this this week, because I was thinking about this. Is it possible, I wonder, if the workers are here, but we're just too caught up covering up our mess to go out and reach the people who are lost? I know definitely there are times that I am too busy spraying Glen 20 over my life, burning some candles, trying to get rid of the smell of the rubbish in my life and uh, carefully covering and placing my mess in places where people won't see it rather than allowing God to be glorified in my mess. The enemy loves to fill us with shame, yeah? He loves to get us caught up, covering up, so we're unavailable to bring Jesus to the lost. The enemy loves to, um, loves to use our mess to make us look in. But God wants to use our mess so that He can go out, out into the broken world and show people that in our mess, He is our hope. My next thought is, despite what you've been told, God is, is a safe place that you can be vulnerable with your mess. I love that David knew God and in knowing Him, he knew he could run to Him with his mess. Before he knew God's kindness, uh, before, because he knew God's kindness and His mercy and His forgiveness, because God's loving character had been trialled and tested so many times in his life before, he knew that even in the magnitude of the mess that he'd created for his life, that he could run to Him that he could cry out to God, lay it all out before him and that God would help him. And we see his response in Psalm 51. I love this. He cries out to God. Stay with me here. It says, God, David says to God, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out my, the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognise my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me, he says again, and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from, my, from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your, teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that, I, that my mouth may praise you. You don't desire a sacrifice or I'd offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Knowing God's kindness allowed God to allow David to be take responsibility, to own his mess, be completely real and transparent with God and cry out to him for help. I want to ask you tonight, do you know God's kindness? Do you know his kindness? 
Do you know that He can be trusted with the good, the bad, the ugly in your life? Do you know that you can surrender your mess to Him, your rubbish, and that you can trust that He will cover you and, fill, and, and, and respond to you with grace and kindness and forgiveness? And not only lead you forward out of your mess, but use your mess to bring His hope to the world. You know, we actually have to let God see our mess and touch our mess in order to heal our mess. I love that David lay it all out before him. He didn't cover it up. He took responsibility, let God see, and then he let, so that God could restore. But then he also let God have full freedom for him to do, to change him. You know, my kids are quick to come and show me um, that they're bleeding. They're quick to come and show me that they've got a blood knee, but sometimes very slow to let me actually touch or see it to help them. So they'll show me their blood and I'm like, let me have a look. They're like, don't touch me, don't touch me. But I've got to touch it to help, yeah? I've got to see it to help. God's got to touch it. God's got to see it to help. You know, we live in a culture that's so quick to judge and compare and expose each other's mess. But it's so important that we learn God's response to our mess. And His response is grace, forgiveness, restoration, mercy. The other thing I wanna encourage you, the next thought is we need to choose friends that are safe with our mess. Like Nathan brought the truth to David, we need to be willing to hear the truth from people that God puts in our lives, our leaders, our friends, um, pastors, connect leaders. And when we can't see our mess, we need them to show us, we need help. We also need friends and people in our lives that we can trust with our mess. You know, the other week I was struggling with an ugly, um, embarrassing thought. And um, it was a giant lie from the enemy, but it was a consuming lie. And I was struggling to shake it. You know, I was trying to surrender it to God and give it to God, but I just couldn't shake it. And you know, we can always trust Jesus with our mess, always. But we also need to find friends that we can trust as well. And I was at church and I was really struggling. And um, I saw, I was like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then I saw Pastor Lauren and I'm like, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. You know, when you see people that are your safe people. And so I went and spoke with her and I had to just lay it all out to her. She's a close friend, but I also know she's someone who I can be, that is, that is safe for me to be real. Anyway, so I shared this thought that, was that I was struggling with. And um, I knew that as, I've learned over time that when you bring stuff out into the light, that's where God is actually able to start working on it, yeah? And so she encouraged me. She led me back to Jesus. She led me back to His truth. Um, and I'm still walking that out. And I love that um, in the days after, she'd send me messages with uh, scriptures and with encouragements that she had read in her quiet time and that the Holy Spirit was talking to her about me and giving her stuff for me in my walk with what I was struggling with, I would have missed out if I hadn't have shared with her what I was struggling with. And I want to encourage you, if you've got friends that make you feel bad for having mess or judge you for having mess, maybe you've got the wrong friends. And on the other hand, if you've got friends who get a thrill out of your mess, love going through it all, love exposing it, maybe you've also got the wrong friends. I love the family of God. This is where True friendship is. This is where we learn how to do friendship well and cover each other because we're modelling it from, I mean, we're, we're getting the best example from our Father in heaven. Now, next thought is aim for restoration, not relief. You know, when we've stuffed up and we're navigating mess, it can be so easy to just want that momentary relief rather than lasting restoration. God wants to fully restore us, heal us, not just provide a quick Band-Aid fix, 
hiding our rubbish and tucking it away is, um, gives us a moment relief because we can't see it, but it doesn't get better. It gets worse. The nappy behind the toilet gets smellier. The apple core left in the, in the car gets mouldier. Hiding our rubbish from Jesus stops him from being able to restore it. And David stopped trying to cover up his mess and he laid it all out and he says, God, I'm, I'm sorry. And it's like he's saying, God, do a deep clean in me. Yeah, do a deep clean in my heart. Don't be superficial. Don't just polish the edges. He's crying out for full restoration. He says over and over, create in me a clean heart, purify me, wash me, cleanse me, blot out my, my stains. My next thought is a surrendered mess is a restoring mess. I wanna encourage you to focus less on hiding your rubbish and more on surrendering your rubbish to God. Restoration is only possible with surrender and repentance. And because David chose to surrender and repent, God was then able to restore his heart, restore him so that he was able to remain king. I wonder what would have happened if he didn't actually repent. You wonder if his kingship and his, you know, his title would have been taken from him. I don't know, but I just wonder. God doesn't expect nor does He want perfection from us. He doesn't ask for us to give Him any offering of good works or success or achievements. And as David says in Psalm 51, the offering that God longs for is a broken spirit, a repentant heart. He wants us to bring our broken hearts, our broken spirit, our broken pieces and bits to Him. Why? because He knows that in offering our brokenness to Him, it requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to be real with Him. It requires us to trust Him. And that's what He wants. Our surrender reveals our faith. Our surrender reveals how much we trust Him. Are you willing to surrender your mess to Him? We can become masters of hiding our rubbish, polishing the outside, but without surrendering it to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, we can't overcome our rubbish. You can try cover it up, sort it, put it in the perfect place so that people can't see. You can try and sort it out yourself. But the truth is, is that there's nothing that we can do to clean up our own mess. We are completely reliant on Jesus. And Jesus knows that, which is why He willingly gave Himself as a sacrifice on the cross so that He could make us righteous. Romans 3.22 says, we were made, we are made righteous with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. If the band would like to join me, that would be amazing. You know, as long as we live on this earth until we get to heaven, mess is gonna keep popping up on our, in our lives. But as long as we keep surrendering that mess to, mess to Jesus, it won't overtake us, it won't overwhelm us. And Jesus will cause that mess to sharpen us, to strengthen us and bring the message of hope to the world around us. You know, when um, we were pregnant with our third baby Imogen, and we'd been at church, it was a Sunday and then we had a team meeting. We were 12 weeks pregnant and um, we just told our kids team, we were, we were um, serving in the kids area, we just told our kids team that we were pregnant and um, we, it was really exciting. And I got home and went to the toilet and bled profusely, significantly, a lot of blood. We thought that we were um, potentially miscarrying. Anyway, it turns out that we weren't miscarrying. It turns out that actually my uterus wall had, had a bleed in it. So um, 
the bleed was significant. And so I had to go on a couple of months of bed rest in order to stop the bleeding, yeah? And so every time I moved, I bled. And so even though Imogen was okay, she was at very big risk of actually bleeding out if I kept bleeding. And so um, during that time, I was on bed rest and I remember Pastor Sue came and sat with me and um, just prayed with me and had a coffee with me. And uh, Ethan was a toddler and he was just bringing stuff to Pastor Sue and like putting it on her lap and then bringing something else and putting just random things. And um, at that point, Imogen's name was gonna be Imogen Claire. Yeah. Um, but then we, um, we were sitting down and Ethan's just brought a pillow, a random pillow that someone I think gave us with the word hope on it. And he's just come and he's put it on Pastor Sue's lap. And Pastor Sue, as we're crying and we're, you know, just sharing and praying and just, um, she's just gone, you know what, Ethan, I am gonna claim that and I'm gonna declare that there is hope in this situation. I'm gonna declare that our hope is in the Lord and that, that, that the Lord is gonna move here. Anyway, Fast forward, we delivered a perfectly healthy little little girl, and um, and we went back to the doctor at the six week checkup, and I remember just saying to her, she was very calm throughout the whole thing, and um, anyway, I remember asking her, okay, so where are we at now that we've got Imogen? She's here, she's she's well. Where where were we at? And our doctor just said she shouldn't be here. She's a miracle. And I just want to encourage, I was thinking about this and just, we forget, hey? But I just want to encourage you, Psalm 33, 20, put our hope, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy Name. Let Your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. Our hope is in Jesus. No matter what you're facing, no matter what mess you find yourself today, tomorrow, in five years' time, in 10 years' time, in 40 years' time, your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. There is nothing too bad, too big that Jesus won't meet you in, love you through, strengthen you through, and use to bring glory to Him in Jesus' name. Can we stand and let's just, let's just sing for a moment. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.